0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to From the Felt, brought to you by the Texas Cardhouse. My name is Ryan Crow, and I'm your host, along with Mr. Bill Hewer and Sam Von Kennel, uh, recording out of the Texas Cardhouse in Austin today. Uh, how you guys doing?
1: Hey, Brian. Good to be in Austin. You uh, don't have any sunny weather here today, but that's okay. We have
0: enough sun in Houston to uh,
1: last us a lifetime.
0: Well, every time I go to Houston, I feel like I'm getting rain now. It's like you bring a, a tropical storm or a hurricane Just about every time I go down well, there. Now, so,
1: Based on that information, I know you're bringing the rain. <laughs>
2: Sam, how you doing. Oh, I can't complain. Good to see that uh, the Astros are coming back in this series. I see we took the lead now, it's been fun. I know a lot more fun down in Houston for you, well, Bill. Well, but well, I mean well, right? yeah. you know, the, the the buzz is still strong here in Austin too. We don't have our own pro team, so we're gonna either cheer for you guys or the Rangers. And who do you cheer for? Oh, honestly, baseball is not very. You know, I don't really care about baseball till like right now when there it's was, the playoffs. There was really
1: only one right answer, Sam. Oh, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do, you, what do you want me
0: to say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm big Nationals fan. Love, love Washington. What's no, funny no. is I don't follow baseball that much, and but it's funny after the second game, they lost both of the home games. Stros were down. You know, I thought zero it was to it two. Over. Yeah. Well, everyone. I, mean, I just hear people just ranting on them. I mean, I went to the gym the other day. People were just freaking out. Like, oh, it's done. I, they suck and. Now they're up 3 to 2 and it's just like it's like that. Boom. And like
1: It's amazing. I think it was all done on purpose so we could bring the winning games back to Houston. Of
0: course. So it, oh,
1: it's, yeah. it's it's we we planned it. We yeah. Planned yeah.
0: It's it, it, speaking of Houston, we actually have a very special guest with us today, Fireman Scott Delaney, a local poker celebrity in Houston, Texas, who actually made the trip out to Austin with Bill today. Uh Scott, how are you doing?
3: Good man. Astros won last night. (laughs) I'm a little tired, but we my wife and I plan after two thousand and seventeen. We were so exhausted every night because that was the best World Series I had ever seen. So coming into this one, I was like, if it's anything close to that one, we're gonna be exhausted. You know, and we are. We were up watching every pitch, every inning, you know, you're chewing your nails. So we're usually go to bed early people, but the last week has been keeping us up late. So, a little tired, but feeling happy.
2: You born and raised in the Houston area?
3: No, I moved there um, when I got out of the Army in, like, 2001. I grew up in West Texas, so I grew up a Rangers fan, going to all those games and everything. But when I moved to Houston, right out of the Army, all they ever had on TV was the Astros, Killer Bs, Biggio, Bergman, Bagwell. It's hard not to fall in love with them. Oh, yeah? I did, and I've been an Astros fan ever since. Go yeah, through. I grew up
0: in the southeast Texas area, actually in the Beaumont area. So, grew up an Astros fan. So, uh, yeah,
3: exciting stuff. I
0: mean, it's funny because back then, like they, they struggled. <laughs> so, yeah,
3: they did. But man, I'm telling you that the team that is playing right now is the most fun I've ever had watching baseball in 41 years. They're just the most fun team ever. You know?
1: I agree. I agree. I grew up in Vegas. We didn't have a baseball team, so I had to uh, claim Houston Astros as my favorite baseball team, which was an easy. Easy claim to make.
0: Yeah. So so it's funny because it seems like the the, the town of Houston kinda of shuts down during these games. Yeah, you know, we tried running tournaments and stuff at the Texas Cardhouse in Houston and Man, it's funny if right. there's a game going, I'll talk to my. Mike, maybe we should, uh you know, that guarantee. You know, that, that, should, we, should we review that because it seems like every time there's a game on, it's like you know, attendance is like half.
3: Yeah, but it's funny because on Thanksgiving and Christmas, you can fill up a poker room. Oh, absolutely. But in the World <laughs> <laughs> Series, you can't get nobody to play. So uh,
0: we, for the Fourth of July here in Austin, we, we did a little promo because we saw all the clubs were shutting down. So we said, "Hey, look, half off just for anyone that wants to play on Fourth of July," and I mean, we just. We we didn't expect many people just because it's a, a big holiday and I mean God we had like ten tables going I mean, it was just it blew up and we we're like okay noted noted you know next time there's a holiday you know if you're gonna do that you got to be ready So yeah. yeah.
2: that seems to be accurate the holidays don't affect our crowd as much as the big game days like here in Austin if it's UT Oklahoma weekend it's over you know between you know 11 a.m. and five o'clock don't plan anything and then if Longhorns lose. Good luck for the rest of the day. It's just everybody's right. you know, telling their sob stories and bad beat stories. You know, I have to deal with it. Being an Aggie fan, I have to deal with it all my life. you got to bring
0: up UT football after that loss. I mean, oh, well, yeah.
2: We've got to point that out, too. Once again, TCU. lock of the week, me betting against UT, I took TCU minus the one. And what it, we won it outright by, what, 10, 12? He's about to get
0: kicked off this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so he yeah. bet against you? <laughs> he, did, he did. get. you no, he did get to all these games. Yeah. You,
2: every now and again, you just got to know when Texas is going to choke, and there's a couple <laughs> of spots that are just. I'm born and raised here. I've watched it for 31 years now. You know, that's just key spots in the season. Yeah.
1: Wow. Brutal. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but all that aside, we did not come here to talk about sports, even though I could all day. We're here to talk about poker, and we've got Fireman Scott from Houston. So, you guys, want you guys want to switch gears and start talking about poker? Sure.
1: Scott, tell us a little bit about your history. I mean, you you said you were in the military eventually were a firefighter. Where did you start? Why did you start playing poker?
3: Oh, okay. Um, Well, I started when I was in the fire department. We played a little bit in the army, mostly spades, but we would play a few card games just messing around. But nobody took it seriously. Nobody knew what they were doing. When I was in the fire department in Houston, we started watching fire or we started watching poker on TV when Chris Moneymaker won and all that. And I started thinking, oh, I have a good mind for this. I can tell. So I started getting the guys at the fire station to play it. And um, until I just won every game every single day and they quit playing with me. Uh, I started playing online at that time too. Um, and just the way that I ever. Learn to go about anything was um, just study and work hard. So when I decided to start playing poker, I read super systems. I read a couple of other books. I read a magazine. It said you should try out Titan Poker. I'd never played online or anything. It said you should try out Titan Poker. They have a promotion where you can win hundred thousand dollars if you win six sit and goes in a row. So I was like, okay, I think I can do this. And I went on there and started playing. I'd never played before, and everybody said. This is not really, it's too hard to do. There's too many bots, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, I ended up doing it. <laughs> and uh, then I bought a house, a house in Houston. I called an exterminator to come to my, exterminate my house. He told me about Bill. You, he used to have a game at his house, and I went and played at that. And the rest was history. Started playing, went to Vegas. Within six months, I was playing with uh, Chris Moneymaker, Sammy Farhaw. How many sit
2: and goes did it take to win six in a row? Do you know, like off the top of your head? Uh,
3: uh, I mean, well, what do you play like? I can't even remember the how long it took, but it was several months of doing it. And I started thinking, I started believing what everybody said that it's impossible to do.
2: Are you playing like three or four a day, five a day?
3: I got to where I would play a few at a time. They were $50 <laughs> sit and goes, and I would play several at a time. And. Just the one day it happened, um, I was supposed to pick my son from school up at 3.30 and I was playing like one sit and go and I won it and I had started another one and started another one and started another one and I won the sixth one and it just said, congratulations, you won $150. That's the way they were set up. They were only six handed. So you got 150 for first place, 90 for second and $60, 60 or 50 for third yeah, place.
2: Yeah.
3: So every time I would get in the money, I'd start a new one. And eventually, I won six, and it just said, you won $150. And I had ran, I picked my son up from school, and said, I think I just won $100,000. And he goes, are you serious? And we went back home, and I read all the rules, and it said, um, you got to contact them and let them know if you've done it. So I did that. They took a few days to check Fact for collusion. Check, yeah. Yeah. And boom, paid me. Wow. wow. That's where we went from there. That's and a nice little way to start yeah, That's a, a good start. start of a, career. A, a, a few months later, I was sitting at the World Series of Poker at... Uh, six, a six max uh, tournament ring event or bracelet event, I'm sorry, where I was in between Dewey Tomko and Andy Block. And I told them both, this was my first time I've ever been in a casino. And uh, they were laughing. They were like, why did you sign up for this tournament? This is a particularly <laughs> hard one. And I was like, well, I won this way online. It didn't seem that hard. And Andy, Andy Block then raised every single uh, time that I was the big blind. He was small blind after that. Uh, but I eventually got him with a pair of nines. Nice. You know, so. Wow, you're That's, just baiting him, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> was that? you that just that the, with him. That
1: time that you were in Vegas playing that six max was that the time that I came into town? You were staying at Stratosphere, and then we moved you to the Rio. Um,
3: no, that was a different time. But oh my god, that was a wild.
1: Thing too. <laughs> I, I have to tell this story because it's one of my favorite stories. So, he's already in town. He's playing big blackjack and making a killing. Scott. Yeah, okay. Scott Scott comes in. And, uh, Scott's already there. He's staying at Stratosphere because he's looking for a cheap place to stay, but he's paying the cab ride to get back and forth to the Rio.
3: And this was my second time ever in Vegas, so I didn't oh, know much about it. Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: I come into Vegas with a couple of friends, and we meet up at the Rio, and he looks like he's straight out of Texas. Cowboy <laughs> hat, starch shirt, tight jeans, <laughs> cowboy boots. Perfect, doing it right. And I'm going like, this dude's looking crazy. Little did I know, he was getting all the attention. I mean, like every girl in Las Vegas was coming up talking to him. So we start talking about gambling. Is this why you are dressed like a cowboy last time? <laughs> <laughs> I have thought about it on many occasions. It's because of this man right here. So anyway, he's, he's like, well, I stayed at the Stratosphere to save money, but he was spending more money on cab rides to get back and forth to Rio. So he decides to crash at our room at the Rio. And we go out partying that night and he wants to go everywhere in a limousine. No, I and mean, there was only four or five of us. <laughs> That's so
3: right.
1: So he yeah. gets he picks up every limousine ride just to go from casino to casino. And eventually, like all guys in Vegas, we make our way to the local strip club.
0: So Wait, they have strip clubs
1: in Vegas? Yeah, they have, they have a couple. Oh yeah. We're the biggest. We're the biggest one in the world, apparently. <laughs> Sapphire, I think it was. And we get bottle service. And I mean, we're this is Scott. He wants to Take care of us and entertain us and run, to your phone. Yeah, we're we're letting him. And then the next thing I know, I'm getting a phone call. And it's and this guy's like, Hey, it's Scott, I'm outside. I'm like, Well, what are you doing outside? He said, They kicked me out. I said, What are you to kick you out for? He's like, I don't know. He said, I was too drunk. I said, Oh, I'll get you back in. <laughs> so I go to the lead bouncer. I said, Hey, you kicked my friend out. And they're like, Yeah, the cowboy, he was too drunk. I said, Well, there's a problem because he's paying the tab. So Either he comes back in and pays the tab or we're all walking on this tab. (laughs) So they said, sure, he can come back in.
3: That was like the worst. That was one of the stupidest things I ever did because I stood outside of Sapphire Arguing with the bouncer. He was telling me, you're not coming back in. I was like, I guarantee you I'm coming back in this strip club. (laughs) And so then they finally said, okay, you can come back in. You owe $3,000. Probably would have been better just to stay out. I should have just gone home. You just gave everybody uh, the secret of how to get back into a strip club. (laughs) And you kicked out. So
1: That was uh, one of my favorite Scott Delaney stories. That's for
3: sure. Yeah, it was. And actually, I didn't even get kicked out. I just walked from our table to the bathroom and I got lost and I couldn't find my way back to the table <laughs> and I walked outside and I couldn't get back in. Yeah, yeah it's was, it was a funny deal, but I don't drink like that anymore. I'm married, been days. slowed down so that was well, a that, long time. Ago.
1: That's because you've started getting into meditation, you started getting a different things to improve your game. Tell us about that, that journey to improve your game.
3: Okay. Um well, So I played poker for years, kind of like that, where I would have success off off and on and mostly due to um, I was so I was really aggressive and I know a little bit about uh, more than most people about game theory and things like that. So I would have a little bit of success here and now, but it was real sporadic and I would be a real roller coaster. Um, And it wasn't until um, my I met my wife and. She slowed down drinking, got me eating healthy. I realized, oh man, there's a whole there's a whole bunch of stuff I'm missing here, yeah, and uh kind of got my stuff together, and I've just been unstoppable ever since.
2: I think that goes to say like so much of this is in poker is just your mental game keep mm-hmm. keeping your head right and your mind right so that you don't get your aces cracked and then lose it, and the hair he goes he's gonna you know punt off the rest of his chips, you know it's just it's about how, you know being i'm not the spokesperson for eating healthy by any means but i mean i think my mental game is on point like I, i'm not gonna go in there like i'm relaxed i'm I'm walking in i'm I'm prepared mentally you know the, you know my, my physical game is not, not there because obviously i'm not <clears throat> the most in shape person you'll ever meet but as far as far as that goes like i think it's super important to have your mental game on point when you're going into poker like if not you're never going to be a winning player
3: well people um a lot of times people are Texting me or emailing me or talking to me about how they can get better at poker. And they always seem to get caught up in a hand. Like, I played my ace-ace, jack-nine, should I have played it this way? And I'm like, man, you're trying to shave off like a percentage here where you might theoretically do better over thousands of hands. I'm like, when really, if you could just get up in the morning and go run for a mile and beat yourself mentally, you would improve your game by Mountains,
0: mountains. A 1% change.
3: Yes, by doing a five-minute meditation in the morning, you're gonna your win rate. If it, you know, you, you can double your win rate just from doing little simple things. And people get caught up in the X's and O's. And so that's what I'm kind of doing with the um, the YouTube stuff right now. I'm eventually going to be having everybody going to firemanscott.com, and I'm going to be offering poker lessons, PLO lessons. Uh, but as right now, if you want to learn PLO, you're kind of limited to going to a website or reading a book that's going to teach you about GTO. GTO is cool and it's awesome and it can give structure and it can give aggression to people who didn't know it before.
1: And and tell our listeners what GTO stands for.
3: Game theory optimal. Okay. Okay. So let me basically give you the state of pot limit Omaha right now. Uh, what everybody in the world seems to agree is that if you memorize gto game theory optimal which is basically a, a computer came up with this this best way this most optimal way to play the game of pot at omaha but what i know through years of playing games and everything else is if there's a written strategy for something it can be exploited and everybody knows that. So when you're playing at this 1-3 small level where the, st- the stacks are really short and they don't matter because there's just a simple GTO decision to make. But as the stacks get bigger, as they will in PLO, that's the way the game is supposed to be played. Well, then GTO doesn't necessarily – everybody starts deviating, right? Yeah. So now you got to look for different edges. And who's going to have the best edge? The guy who just sat down and said, how should I play my ace ace, jack 10? Or the guy who sits down and says, man, I train every day. This is my life. I can play this card, these cards from any position against this guy. I'm better than you. I'm more confident than you. Let's get it done. You know what I mean? That's kind of the way I look at BLO. And so what I want to try to offer is a website where you can go and not learn poker or study poker, but where you can go and kind of train for poker because that's what I do with that's how I become better. So I'm like, this is the only way I know how to show other people how to do better. And it seems like something different than everybody else is offering. If you, if you come to fireman scott.com when it's up and running and it's real soon, that's basically going to be it. Yes. We can talk about cards and things like that, but we also think about the intangible, unmeasurable things of how to get better at PLO.
1: So right now that website's not up, but where can people come and see you on YouTube at? Where's your channel
3: right now? They can go to, um, Fireman Scott Delaney on YouTube, and what what I'm doing there is a lot of breakdowns and basically, basically just introducing myself to the per- poker world. Everybody in Houston kind of knows me, and now I need to spread out and let everybody else know, hey, here's who I am. I'm the best that's ever played this game. Let me show you how you can be good too. Mm-hmm. So basically, if you come to the YouTube, you can watch me do some hand breakdowns because that seems to be – what the market is looking for with these poker vlogs, So I'm trying to get a hold of the market. There's not much going out there for PLO. I'm trying to funnel them in, look here, this is what we got, and then this is how you can do it. I'm the best in the world. Mm -hmm. That's cool.
1: That's a good, I mean, that's a really uh, hefty goal, and it sounds like you've got a good path on how to get there. If somebody wants to test that theory, they want to see if you really are the best, they can come find you where you usually play at
3: uh texas card house at y'all's place um in houston i play there Uh, i've also played at prime a lot and lately those are the only two places i've played because i'm having a little difficulty balancing the play and the vlogging and family and everything else that i've got going on so really in the last few months my play has been reduced to two or three times a week maybe one session at Texas card house and one at prime or, or two at one or the other, you know, something like that.
1: Yeah. You usually play in the Wednesday game at Texas card house.
3: Yes. The Wednesday game there has been really good. Uh, I've, it's been a fun game to play because I play with a lot of the older guys that I kind of cut my teeth on who I developed most, most of my strategies from. I first realized, man, these guys are really easy to beat because they do the same stuff every day. Yeah. And, uh, then when I kind of opened my eyes to the GTO world, um, I spent some time learning that, and then I started beating all the people that are exploited by GTO, mm-hmm. and then I started exploiting all the GTO players.
2: So, when did you transition? <clears throat> and I guess I'm only assuming this, but most people don't start out playing Omaha. Like they, they usually start out playing a variation of Hold'em, you know, maybe limit or no limit. But when did you transition and then – once you have transitioned to Omaha, how much hold'em do you play now? Like is it you pretty much are gonna go back to it? Like
3: No, I only play Hold'em now if I'm somewhere where there's going to be a tournament and that's like the biggest thing going on. Right. You know, like if I'm in Choctaw and they only have one PLO event, you know, I, I I probably will play some hold'em events or in Vegas this summer I played the main event and a couple of other hold'em events. But cash games I really never want to sit a, at a hold'em table. It makes no sense to me, for one, because any card room, any casino you go into, where is all the action? P-L-O. That's where all the action is, and that's where all the mistakes are made. Everybody can play hold'em to an extent up to this <clears throat> point, but nobody can play Omaha. So why wouldn't you be there? You know what I mean? I'm more of an action junkie myself, and, and it's
2: funny, my story similar to yours. It, it, was, it wasn't until after I opened the Texas card house five years ago down in South Austin that I started seeing Omaha being played. Like I knew what it was, but I played low stakes, one, two, no limit, one, three, no limit. And I, you know, I f- focused more on tournaments You know, I I'd, I'd do a circuit main event for 1500 and that'd be like my big, big poker experience for the year. But then after opening the club and seeing, you know, routine Omaha be played two, three days a week and seeing the action on it and then I started playing it. And yeah, I, I can't go back to hold them. It's just two yeah. cards. It just, it's never the same. Like There's there's not a big enough Omaha community here in Austin. It's growing. There's, there's a weird gap in the markets here in Austin. There's really high stakes Omaha being played, but there's not a lot of low stakes games. And so what I started doing here, specifically on Tuesday nights, I host a round and round game. It's one, two, bring in five, hold them, and one, two, bring in five, Omaha, trying to get people to come see the game. And it's been incredible. We've been doing it for now, like almost three months. And the players that I've gotten to come try it out, like, because they're like, okay, we'll mix it around to hold them to, like, you know, keep their comfort zones right. They now start playing Omaha, and they're like, oh, holy shit. And, it, you know, it's, it's not, I think it's direct correlation that now we have a steady one, two, five PLO list that's making, you know, regularly. And they, they tested it out with round and round. And then once you get yeah. that taste, you can't once go back. Can't yeah, You can't go back. Well,
3: most people that play poker, they have that gambling side to them. So when, so say you have a real gambling side to you and you sit down at a table with a bunch of grinders playing really tight, it's hard for you to win, but you move over to a PLO table and you got this crazy gambling, gambling side to you, you can let it out a bit and you still can stand a chance.
2: Well, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, you probably know the math better than me, but like. Picture your best Omaha starting hand versus the absolute worst. I still don't think you're any more than like 70-30. Maybe not even that part of a favorite.
3: Yeah, and that's the whole thing. is, And that's why I think a lot of people have trouble transitioning is because a lot of people who contact me uh, wanting to get better at PLO, a lot of them fall into the same (laughs) category. And it's this group of people that they found in Hold'em if they play really tight and just stick to aces and mm-hmm. stick to kings and stuff like that, <laughs> they will do okay. So then they say, okay, all the action, everybody's moving to Omaha, let's do that. And let's move over there with the same strategy, not realizing it's a different game. Yeah. So the best scenario that you can get into is to get all your money in pre-flop with aces and against a random guy who hasn't even looked at his cards, you're not that big of a favor. So it's a different game. As we're in hold'em, you can make one decision pre-flop and stick with it. In Omaha, you have several different streets where this game's going to change.
2: Oh my goodness! Yeah, the the difference, the biggest difference, in my opinion, is the turn. The turn in Hold'em versus the turn in Omaha is is just like night and day. Like in Omaha, the turn is almost always going to bring you, you know, backdoor draw, backdoor flush draw, something that that wasn't there ahead of time. And in Hold'em, I don't know, it might just be me, but I feel like pre-flop, so many people including myself, like I'll take the edge away from my opponent. If I know, I know you're better than me. And so, you know, let's, you can go all in pre flop. Like I said, I got my aces yeah. and let's just go, let's put it to the test. Like it's over. Like there's nothing, nothing to do now. Like
3: Yeah. So, and that's, That's the way a lot of times when somebody gets frustrated with me and hold them, they'll do that. They'll just move all in. Yeah, guarantee all
2: five cards and and take your edge away. That's (laughs) a
3: strategy, but now let's move to an Omaha table where we all have six and 700 big blinds in front of us and the nuts change on every street. On every street, exactly. Now you kind of got to have some confidence. you got to be a badass dude. you got to get up every morning and think you're the best in the world. you got to think that you can eat your opponents for breakfast. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? That's just the mentality that I go into it with. I feel like, yeah – Anybody can memorize a few charts and figure out what to do pre-flop, but when you're going to deep deep streets with deep stacks, really good players like can can happen in Omaha games, and then mixed in with crazy players that got no idea what's going on. It's a minefield, you know?
1: What are the bigger games that you're playing these days?
3: Um, In the past maybe four weeks, I say, I probably haven't played anything but the texas card house the prime games um
0: just out of curiosity you ever play any big o or was it congress whatever i mean do you ever play big o
3: i've done it once or twice but i don't really go out and and look for it um one just because i feel like i have such a huge edge you know i feel like it's adding another way for somebody who doesn't have an edge to get in there and beat me sure and i got a handle on it in four cards you know yeah
2: what are the stakes there? You're playing at the. You said the Wednesday game. I know that's like a, oh, a that, bigger game at the Card House on Wednesdays. The, uh,
3: all the games that I've been playing at Card House and at Prime have been one three. Sometimes I will jump into the five ten there, uh, but I haven't played twenty five fifty in. Well, <coughs> sometimes I play twenty five fifty in Houston, and at a certain time, like eight o'clock, it'll bump up to twenty five fifty 50 hundred. I haven't played that game in about four or five weeks. The last time I was in there, I lost and I just said, you know, take a break for a while. Uh, But it's a fun game to play. And I was telling Bill, I was like, that was part of um, how I when I really decided I wanted to get better at poker. I'm like, what do I got to do? And it's like play everybody, get in all the big games. And so I did whatever I could. If I had to go out and win like a one three session. And win like three thousand dollars, and then go get somebody to take a piece of my action, so I could buy in for ten thousand, right? And a twenty-five fifty game, and take one shot at it. Sometimes that's what I would do. You know, I just did whatever. Houston, if you're good to the poker community, they're usually good back to you, and uh, you can find ways to do it if you're creative.
2: One thing I noticed in Houston with the PLO, and it does, I don't know where it came from. What is the background? You guys, Bill, or you might know it. Where did the 5x open come from? Like, that's not standard. Anywhere. I don't know. They, they were doing that. Only in along. Houston is a 5x open. They looked at me and they're like, What do you mean? You, of course it's 5x. And I'm just like, No, you guys, this is way bigger than anywhere else in the world. But apparently in Houston, that's like
3: the thing. Like 5x yeah, open. I don't know what started it. It was like that before I came along.
2: It's amazing. You I haven't mean,
1: heard that saying that everything's big in Texas, but everything's bigger, <laughs> bigger in Houston. Bigger in
2: Houston, yeah. I mean, I played <laughs> 1-3 PLO, and guys are opening to 15. It's like, well,
1: shit, here we go.
2: Like, you need
1: a deep bankroll. Yeah, like, I don't know where that started, but that's standard.
3: The the first time I ever walked into the, uh, the Legion there in Houston, and I'd never played PLO before, and uh, they had a high-low game going. I said, what is this? And they said, it's high-low, and they kind of explained it to me. And I sat down like a – dumbass and lost a couple of thousand and uh i came back the next week and it wasn't high low it was just straight plo and i bought him for six hundred dollars and i cashed out like twenty three well, thousand dollars like pretty cool. much buried the game yeah there we and, go uh, yeah like, like no buried. more high low so screw this high no, i was still. done with high low yeah. and then like kind of word started spreading about me just in that week in houston and like a couple of days later, I went to another card room, and literally, they ran out of chips. I won so much money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Love that it's
3: a good problem. Yeah, and yeah. play. Boy, I hate it with happens personally. Play. You
1: know? So, so you mentioned an underground room that you've played in. You've been around since before these legal rooms started popping up. What are your thoughts on these these this new concept? These social card clubs. Do you, Do you like it better as a player? What are, What are your thoughts? Uh,
3: yeah, I like it. I like anything that's gonna make the world stop treating poker players like they're outlaws or something. I mean, playing in an underground poker room is ridiculous. I i worked for the United States Army. I'm a veteran. I'm highly decorated. I worked for the Houston Fire Department for 10 years. And when I would get off work, I would go play cards with my buddies. And, you know, you're like, am I going to get arrested for doing this? Is is this bad? Is it wrong? You know, half the people are telling you, well, this is legal. This isn't legal. You never know. its It's ridiculous, man. We're all like normal people you know
2: i remember the first time i told my mom about the home game and this would be 10 or 12 years ago about the home game that i started playing in and i probably should have never done that good lord she <laughs> every night you should well text me when you get home you know make sure you you know you're not there too long don't stay late and it's like look mom it's fine like some of these games are fine and a lot of them are but there's just i love, I love how you said that like we're were treated or thought of like outlaws. Like, you know, and it's just like, oh, my goodness, the, the yeah. stigmas that get put on us.
3: Yeah, it's kind of crazy. So I'm I'm happy for anything that's going to make poker look better, poker players look better, you know. Uh,
1: From a value standpoint, though, what do, what do you think is the better
3: deal? Oh, well, for sure, the, the newer rooms, the legal rooms, I guess you would call them. I mean, that's just the whack in the underground rooms is considerably higher Um, and most of the players in the underground rooms at this point have been playing in underground rooms for a long long time and the newer rooms the pay by the hour rooms have brought players that have never played poker before because they didn't want to be outlaws or because their jobs they couldn't afford you know they couldn't risk getting arrested or they couldn't risk oh they're just hard to find yeah yeah in Austin
2: maybe a little bit easier in Houston
3: uh, so I definitely think the value for sure is in <laughs> the places like Texas card house and prime. Um, and I mean, it's a good thing if you know how to play poker, when all those places open, the guys that were never winning in poker, they were always losing. Now you see them winning and being, cause the competition has gotten, you know, expanded so much. Even wider range of players. I mean, yeah.
0: there, there's people there's first timers coming in and trying it out and, you know, the the money that they're using to try it out gets added to the poker community. And so uh, just, you know, just
3: changes the dynamic. I mean, it was it was great for poker. I mean, I went from literally, you know, kind of hiding in back rooms to a few months ago, I'm standing there playing poker with Adrian Peterson standing behind me watching me like I'm a celebrity. And he's like, man, I just signed with the Redskins again. And I walk in to the bathroom and my phone dings and I see ESPN hits my phone. It says Adrian Peterson just signs with the Redskins. I'm like, (laughs) man, (laughs) poker's badass. You know, like, (laughs) look at this.
0: That's awesome. Um, And I
3: think also with, we have Russell Westbrook now at the Rockets. He's a big PLO player. He played in Oklahoma when he was there. I I spent some time last year um, playing a couple of days a week right outside of Tulsa at one of the casinos there and uh tore that game up for a few months and russell westbrook now that he's in houston i'm expecting when the season's over he's going to be playing some plo absolutely i'm hoping that i can get some sessions maybe maybe even some lessons to that dude that would be cool get him up to texas card house yeah i will try that's awesome awesome. I try it.
0: so just uh you know we're coming about 30 minutes i got one or two more questions i want to ask before we wrap it up um you played now in Houston most of your life, but you played in other places. Like one thing we've noticed as we opened up locate, like the location in Houston is just every market's a little bit different, but Houston seems to kind of be its own animal. I mean, how does, how does Houston poker, how does it differ compared to Vegas or also just other areas? I mean, is it to use it all the same? I I, I know you're, you're kind of in this PLO niche, but, but, but but just curious to know your thoughts on how Houston compares to the rest of the, uh, of the world when it comes to poker
3: right now, I think Houston is the best action in all of the country. Yeah. Um, Just because in Vegas, that's where all the pros live. And now they're starting to move to Houston. I've talked to several people in the last couple of years since Texas Card House and Prime and Post Oak and all these places open that have moved to Houston because the action is so good. Because you can either stay in Houston or stay in Vegas and play with all the other pros, or you can you know, live in Houston where you got a bunch of oil guys and athletes that all of a sudden think it's cool and fun now to go play play PLO or play poker after work. And, you know, Houston's one of those cities that never gets affected by the economy. Uh, All of my adult life, when the rest of the world seems to be hurting, Houston always survives. We've got a great, you know, we've got the oil market, we've got the medical market, we Houston always has money, man. It always yeah. has money. And Texas right in now, general
0: seems to do pretty well, but I've noticed Houston, yeah, definitely is a yeah. strong market.
3: When I was a kid, we took vacations to Dallas and San Antonio and Austin and places like this, but we never went to Houston. And when I got older, I asked one of my firefighter, firefighter buddies, like, why, why didn't I go to Houston for vacation? He was like, Houston's where you come to make money. Go spend it somewhere else. Houston's where you make <laughs> money. And it's true with poker, I think. I agree Very with
2: cool. that. Is that what you're doing now in full-time? There's no other part-time jobs or gigs like that. Is that?
3: No, uh, just poker, working on the blogging. Uh, We'll have some other stuff other than just poker lessons on Mm thefiremanscott.com when it -hmm. comes out. Um, There's some other things in my life that I want to add into and that I can incorporate into poker. I really try to live poker, man, everything. When I'm working out, it's I'm trying to get better at poker. I'm thinking about poker when I'm eating, healthy it's because i'm trying to be healthier than the dude who's sitting next to me at the table i want to like i think that if i can i also look at it as a long term thing like if somebody says i can beat you over a time period i'm like okay well i'm going to live to be at least a 100 so you think you can beat me that long there you go it's a long game i mean i
0: like that mindset i mean it's just it's uh, it's kind of a you know killer be killed kind of thing i mean it's i mean not literally but you know what i mean it's it's it, you, you almost have to go in thinking you're the best
3: Or, I mean, knowing you're the best and just make it happen. Dude, when I was in fourth grade, fourth grade. Now, I lived in a small town, but a high school basketball player came up to me in fourth grade. and He's like, man, can you slow down? Because our coach made us run extra sprints at the end of practice because you were running around town on Saturday with a medicine ball over your head (laughs) running around town. And the coach saw us and he punished the high school team for not working as hard. I've been doing that (laughs) my whole life, you know. And um, I mean, that's what gives you confidence. Like I said earlier, if you can get up and beat yourself every day, work out hard, then your opponents at the poker table. When I think about PLO especially, I'm like, who's really going to beat me? Who? Yeah. Okay, I'll do it.
1: At
0: least you
3: can give it a try. Say <laughs> <If> you, <think laughs> you can do it. No. You-
1: Say you got in the ring with Scott. <laughs> well no
0: no it's funny I, i've only i've only sat down and played pillow one time and it was actually in houston uh we, we we sat down uh it was about three or four weeks ago and it's funny i mean i, I quickly coughed up three or four hundred bucks i mean just thinking ah, oh, well, how hard could it be it's like hold'em, but twice as many cards and uh no nah, it didn't, didn't go so well but <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that like like we needed a one two bring it in for five kind of game you know for people like me who can go into learning because i played hold'em pretty much exclusively and so i think that you know, I think that's what we're trying to do here in Austin, you know, and I think we should do the same thing in Houston is really try to cultivate the PLO community, kind of grow it. Um, it sounds like it's maybe a little stronger in in Houston than in Austin. I, I don't know. I'm guessing there because I don't I don't play PLO, but I feel like uh, that's one of the things that would really help that game in particular is having more casual players kind of discover it and figure it out. And like me to be able to play without having to drop you know, 500 bucks on the table and, and, and uh, donate it, so to
3: speak. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the reason that I've uh, that's one of the reasons that I've dropped down and playing so much smaller the 1-3 games is because the people that are interested in plo and getting better at plo and that are interested in my stuff are beginners the guys that are at my same level they don't uh you know they're they're not interested in my stuff yeah but beginners and 1-3 players are so that's why i'm playing that level trying to get more people interested in it understanding the game hey at these 1-3 levels it's real basic. You can just go off a GTO chart and memorize it, and this is how you play. But as the game gets bigger, and if you've ever seen me play, I can change a game from everybody having $300 in front of them to 45 minutes later, everybody's got 3 k and everybody's going nuts. And yeah. I have that effect on a game, and that can happen in Omaha a lot. And when it does, then the game's different. So now my charts don't matter. What can I do to be better? How am I going to win? Sounds like we need to get you into more games at Texas Cardhouse.
1: <laughs> <clears throat> I need to learn how to play PLO correctly.
2: <laughs> no. right. well, yeah, I was just about to say, Bill, you can play in my PLO game on Tuesdays, but I'm sorry, Fireman Scott, you cannot come play. <laughs> well, that's news. the thing.
3: That's the thing is, um, as to where a, a super tight GTO, deep pocketed player, you would never want to play with that guy because that guy's really never giving anything up. He's never giving anything up. If he wins, you're not going to get it back from him. But with me, you get a different thing. With Fireman Scott, you're always getting gambled. There's always action.
2: Your chips are never on lockdown? If, oh, never. <laughs> okay. If I if,
3: Dude, I won a 70K pot a few months ago in a 1-3 game. Goodness. That's not, from, that's not from getting your chips on lockdown. And this is pot limit. Yeah. It takes some artistry to get that much money in. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, I like that. It's a, it's a fun game. Um, I like it. Texas Cardinals is going to do well.
0: No, I appreciate it. I'm going to it. Well, no, uh, we certainly appreciate you uh, making the trip out to Austin to, to, to get on the podcast with us. Uh, you know, we'll have to do a follow-up one with you down in Houston in a, in a couple months. Uh, but no, any other questions you guys have we wrap this thing up, put a bow on it?
1: No, thanks so much for uh, being available today, coming to Austin. Is, I think it's been a great podcast.
0: Yeah, let's we'll see if we can get a pillow game going from out there uh, before you guys drive back. But Yeah. Uh, are, you, are you spending some time out here? Are you driving back today? What are y'all doing?
1: We're definitely driving back today. Just okay. not sure what time. We had uh, said we'd find somewhere good to eat in Austin and... uh or my burnt orange shirt so i'd fit
0: in
3: all right good stuff <laughs> uh before you guys sign off i just wanted to say one more time until FiremanScott.com is available you can find my content on youtube at fireman scott delaney and you can also follow my daily stories on instagram that's where i'm doing a lot of my just when i'm out training in the morning i, I just kind of say what's on my mind sure i goof around a lot on it uh and I have just a lot of family stuff going on there, too. Uh, but I'll talk a lot about the meditations, eating healthy, exercise. I'm sure, poker.
2: I'm sure it's spelled like it sound. But for our listeners, if you want to go ahead and spell Delaney, just to make sure they know where to find you.
3: Oh, yes. It's D-U-L-A-N-E-Y. Fireman Scott Delaney. On Instagram, it's fireman underscore Scott. Or, I'm sorry. Fireman Scott underscore 99.
0: Very cool. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you all. Thanks for joining us. And thank you to all of our listeners for listening. uh, And we will see you guys next week.
3: Thank you, guys.